Mister, there's three rules you've got to follow. Yeah, what kind of rules? Keep him out of the light. He hates bright light, especially sunlight. It'll kill him. And keep him away from water. Don't get him wet. But the most important rule, the rule you can never forget, no matter how much he cries, no matter how much he begs, never, never feed him after midnight. You got it? Sure, kid, whatever you say. Hey, listen, thanks, and have a Merry Christmas. Hey guys, welcome back to Spooky Tuesday, a weekly podcast where we're breaking down all of our favorite slashers, thrillers, monster movies, and black comedies on the new scariest day of the week. I'm Sydney Thompson. I'm Monica Height. And I'm Chelsea Duff. And today we are talking about the absolutely unhinged 1984 <laughs> movie Gremlins. Completely bonkers. <laughs> absolutely just bizarre. <laughs> So I, I remember watching this movie growing up a lot. I was obsessed with this movie when I was like nine and ten. Yeah, and... that makes sense for you. <laughs> but I hadn't watched it in a couple years. Like I just completely, honestly, I completely forgot that it existed. And so watching it last night, I was just like, oh, God. Like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh god sums it up pretty well <laughs> uh okay so gremlins to quote imdb is about a boy inadvertently breaks three important rules concerning his new pet and unleashes a horde of malevolently mischievous monsters on a small town malevolently mischievous monsters say that three times fast <laughs> no i had a hard time saying it the first time <laughs> That was just rude of them to put in that alliteration. I hate it. As a writer, <laughs> though, I know. absolutely get it. It is so hard to avoid alliteration sometimes because your brain wants to do it so bad. And then you have to be like, maybe three is too many. Maybe just two. You got to reel it in. But what about five or six? I think five or six, you got yourself a tongue twister for sure. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Okay. I forced all of us to watch this movie because I just saw it for the first time in October because I thought it was, you know, a scary movie, not a Christmas scary movie. Um, but, oh, wow. It's just absolutely nonsensical, bizarro shit. And I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, I have like a extremely strong snapshot memory of like, being in my brother's room when I was little and seeing gremlins on the TV. And so I thought I had seen this movie. Now I don't know if I had like walked in on my brother watching the movie or if it was like a commercial or what. Absolutely had no idea what to expect going into this though. And whatever I did expect that it, they were like sweet little Furbies. No, wrong. Well, okay, what yeah, sweet little Furby got a little gizmo, my one true love. I love him. 
Okay, but also, did Furbies just blatantly rip off Gizmo? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's did. what I'm thinking sure said. Blatantly did, and then they were sued for like copyright infringement or something. Yeah, because <laughs> they're like, like they're like, come on, guys! Like you didn't even try to make this different in any way. So, and they please. also gave them the same like condemned hell demon vibes, which is very interesting. So I had a Furby, I had a white Furby growing up, right? I loved that thing. And then it started making like weird noises in the middle Uh of the night to the point where I took the batteries out and like put it in my closet and it was still making weird noises in the middle of the night. Like no batteries, just like all demon possessed vibes. That shit is unacceptable. (laughs) I have a Furby in my house to this day. But I refuse to put batteries in it. No, it's a different Furby. Different Furby. I we burned we burned my other one and my mom found another one in the closet when she was moving. It was like, Do you want this? And I'm like, sure. Let's just bring a demon. So it was reproducing, is what you're telling me. (laughs) (laughs) It got wet. (laughs) Now we have another one. But you burned it. You're just asking to create a grudge-like poltergeist demon that lives in your home by burning a Furby alive. Like, come on. <laughs> so far, the, this new one is behaving. We haven't had any major incidents. Just, like, maybe a couple small incidents. <laughs> <laughs> I was trolling Twitter this morning, as I do when I just wake up, and I sent this to uh, Chelsea it's from at M. Nate Shalaman, and it was very timely. And it said, hello, Hasbro. I'm calling about, yes, it's me again. Calling about the, that's right, the Furbies. Seems they've invented God again. They're chanting and they've trapped me in the bathroom. Sure, okay. Yes, I can hold. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly the plot of Gremlins, I think. <laughs> yeah, I just, like, in the past couple of days, I'm back on Tumblr now. And on Tumblr, I saw Ooh. a post. And I don't know if this is true or if it was a shit post and somebody made it up. But it was, like, the Furbies when you're... <laughs> when you're um trying to mess with their face play are designed to say like big pain like much suffering now i think about it it has to be fake but i I would not be surprised if when you try to remove the furby face plate it literally is like you're hurting me like furbies are a hundred percent cursed Straight up, I will never be trying to find trying that out to see if it's true. Like, do not fuck with a Furby. <laughs> okay, but also, do you two want Furbies for Christmas? I no. <laughs> like a little bit, yes. Oh my god, I want the opposite of a Furby for Christmas. What's the opposite of a Furby? <laughs> it's it's a hex that protects against Furbies. Okay, that's smart. That's smart. That's wise. We should probably do a little like protection spell after this episode <laughs> just to make sure. Y'all, I just Googled Furbies and there's one that's called Star Wars Furbaka. Oh my god. <laughs> horrifying. That's absolutely upsetting. I mean, okay, so The actual Furby, the OG Furby in this movie is Gizmo, who is probably the cutest little puppet man who's ever been created in the entire Earth. Um, That was not grammar, but we don't care. Um, I'm obsessed with him. He reminds me of my puppy dog. And uh, I also want to stake this claim early in the pod by saying that Baby Yoda jacked Gizmo's swag. 
and no one is talking about this and it is unacceptable. <laughs> Get that discourse started, Monica. Okay, and it's a smart it was a smart move on Disney's part, okay? It was a very smart move because Star Wars came out in the 80s, Gremlins came out in the 80s. I get that there's an ear thing where Gizmo and Yoda both have the ears. So, yes, I get that. But straight up, baby Yoda is just furless Gizmo. And they are cashing in on that nostalgia. Because after this movie came out, Gizmo toys before Furbies, before the cursed Furby, they were like the top selling toy ever. And now baby Yoda toys are a top selling toy. I don't know for sure, but I've seen several people on the internet that have a baby Yoda toy. So I've seen people like in real life walking around with their baby Yodas uh, and like taking pictures like you would with a child, but it's baby Yoda. And is if that is not <laughs> horror enough, I don't know. Like, uh, the reborn community has accepted baby Yoda into their flock. Uh, I think so. Oh my god. But like they look like they just look like normal baby Yodas and I'm just like why like we were at a pumpkin patch and a lady was like taking pictures of her baby Yoda like in the pumpkins I would that do that sounds though. like I it's a cute that. picture um yeah, it sounds <laughs> but also I'm upset and now I'm sitting in my room and I'm looking at the tiny cowboy hat that I have that I put on my dog and that would also look really cute on a baby Yoda or on a little gizmo so now I really want a little gizmo not a baby Yoda because I don't watch that show but gizmo in my heart forever I don't want a my own gizmo or mogwai um as I believe the species is called they really didn't get into much of the mogwai lore in this movie i get the sense that there is more to unpack maybe in the sequel or and apparently the novelizations of these movies um but it seems like a lot of responsibility that it can never be in sunlight or touch water or you can't feed it too late at night that part i think i could manage because like i don't give my dog food late at night either you know what I mean like he doesn't eat it after midnight and we're fine um that that whole part that rule like doesn't make any sense though because like how is it how does it work like with time zones like I've seen that argument online um somebody (laughs) brought that up in the IMDB trivia as well but I have to imagine that like these creatures are so knowledgeable about how technology works and they can learn how to speak and play the keyboard and do all kinds of things you know what I mean so I feel like they are bound um by space and time and maybe it's like a darkness thing you know what I mean like you know obviously they don't know it's it's to quote Jimmy Buffett it's always five o'clock somewhere but um (laughs) words live by yeah but like if you're there and it is midnight there it's not that they don't know that it's after or before midnight somewhere else but like they are living within that the constraints of the space yeah that time (laughs) in that area in the way that like the day passes and the sun goes down and the stars come out and um my only question I guess would be daylight savings time feels like it could be exactly well maybe their circadian rhythm is just attuned to the earth you know yeah maybe they get like jet lag if, if you travel with them maybe if you travel with them you have to not feed them 
anytime near night anywhere for a while before they like get caught up to their new time zone. God. I saw a theory where the Mogwais are weakened by sunlight, so you can feed them during the day because they're too weak to transform oh. into gremlins. But at night, they're not weakened by the sun, so you can keep them weak with hunger. And if they're not weakened by either the sun or hunger, then they do their natural transformation into gremlins. That's very interesting. Mm. I like that. That makes a lot of sense, but I don't like the idea that their natural transformation turns them into little demon things because I really like Gizmo as a little fuzzy boy and I want him to stay that way. And he seemed like he wanted to stay that way. Yeah, Gizmo was just pure vibing this entire movie. Uh, But I did see that Mogwai in Cantonese, Mm -hmm. it, it means devil or like demon or gremlin um which i think is like very funny yeah i mean frankly it doesn't speak well to gizmo's character but again we don't know where gizmo is in his life cycle um like we saw what's his name stripe we kept calling him spike so i'm no longer sure Um, and that's my bad because i'm watching buffy right now and i got mm. spike on the brain at all times and they both have shockingly blonde hair so yeah they both had that bleach blonde hair easy easy mistake they're both bad boys wow (laughs) sexy um anyway so stripe and his pals um Obviously, when they're before they become full reptilian gremlins, they're still like naughty um, and feral, essentially. And I guess we we just don't have enough information within this film, at least. Like, if you don't know anything else, and I don't, um, we don't have <laughs> enough information to know if like Gizmo was also feral like this when he was born but the man who sold him or he didn't sell him but the man who was taking care of him in the chinatown shop like tamed him or raised him or trained him in some way or maybe gizmo was born of some other um means and it's like when you accidentally make them repopulate with water that they go crazy because they're born unnaturally um through this weird force child birth whatever really disturbing (laughs) yeah how they repopulate is horrifying very concerning yeah horrifying (laughs) so when gizmo gives birth in this film (laughs) there's they're like just uh hanging out billy is with his child friend pete played by baby Corey feldman um i don't understand where what their relationship is but like hey yeah i think trivia said they're best friends but i'm like okay but pete is like 10 and billy is presumably like 24 yeah maybe you know billy is like his mentor that's great that's wonderful he's like i want to be a young banker like billy someday that's great good for him but they're all hanging out and then young pete who is a fool just dumps water all over poor little gizmo and then gizmo starts actually writhing in pain and shooting little fur balls out of his back and he's like kind of like screeching and stuff and no one pays attention to gizmo they just look at the fur ball shooting out of his back and i get that i get that there are things shooting out of his back that's terrifying but gizmo is writhing in pain do we not love him do we not care i was upset 
Gizmo is suffering and they turn a blind eye. They turn their backs to him. Honestly, that feels very on brand for these characters in this movie because the basic premise is that the dad is an inventor who wanted to find something cool for his son and he found this like mysterious creature in the shop in Chinatown and he bought it from the proprietor's grandson once more under like shady premises where they had to like meet in the back because the grandfather doesn't didn't want Gizmo to be sold. Yeah, he's straight um, up then, says he's not for sale. <laughs> yeah, and then the grandson is like, here are the rules for taking care of it, which are just no sunlight, no water, and no um, eating after midnight. Eat after midnight. But he doesn't say, like, what does Gizmo eat? How often does Gizmo need to eat? Does Gizmo go to the bathroom? Like, we have so little information, and nobody seems to have any issue with this. He gives Gizmo to his son. The son is just like, great, no follow-up questions. Like, Gizmo has babies, and they're all like, cute, no follow-up questions. Like, at no point throughout this movie is anybody concerned until they have become reptilian creatures, at which point they immediately go to murder, and they're like, you know what I mean? Like, they see these little feral creatures that have popped out of Gizmo's back, and they're like, that's a little weird, but whatever. How cool. I'm just going to distribute these to my friends for medical testing. Um, <laughs> for testing then, on animals. Go yeah, ahead. they're not at all worried about them being dangerous or feral or needing vaccinations or anything. Um, yeah. But the second that they become reptiles, they were like, we must microwave them to death. And the thing is, this just this hits close to home for me as someone who loves lizards like why the second that they become lizard like they're immediately on the chopping block unacceptable but also wise because they are evil devils um but i love lizards but i don't know like whatever i have so many questions i don't think anything um they didn't like put that much thought into trying to make the evolution of a gremlin make sense, I don't think. So I'm not gonna question it too deeply. Um, <laughs> because like originally Gizmo was supposed to become Stripe, um, like they were all gonna transform and Gizmo was supposed to become Stripe, but then Steven Spielberg was like, But he's so cute, what if he stuck around and he got to be the hero of the movie? And even at the end, like when Billy finally um, is facing off against Stripe, the one remaining evil gremlin in REI or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> it's like Bloomingdale's or something. Yeah. Sears. They're facing off in the department store um, and Stripe is finally defeated with the sunlight. Originally, it was like, Gizmo opened one blind and then Billy opened the other and it was like a tag team thing that defeats the final evil but then they cut Billy's part of it so that it's just Gizmo because Steven Spielberg was like he's so cute he gets to be the hero and then the actor playing as he should Billy, be yeah the actor playing my Billy hero told him until he saw the edited film and he's just like oh <laughs> They just cut his heroics out and they gave it all to this little puppet that wasn't even supposed to be in the second half of the movie, which also had its own issues because they didn't 
like create this puppet to be able to do anything that the character is supposed to do in the second half of the movie which is why gizmo only opens the blinds and then like looks scared um okay you're forgetting a truly crucial part um one he looks cute in a backpack for about 35 (laughs) to 40 minutes because he was not written into the plot at that point so he's just like oh Also, I want to take this time to remind us all that that little squeaky voice that I was imitating, the voice of Gizmo, was Howie Mandel. It was Howie Mandel, the germaphobe guy who only does fist bumps on America's Got Talent, Howie Mandel. Um, And that's disturbing to me. It really is. It's disturbing to me. Uh, Apparently, he did a baby voice in his comedy routines, and that's part of the reason they chose him. I just, I don't know. I just, I have to move on. (laughs) But anyway, okay, (laughs) the most important part of the final scene is when (laughs) little Gizmo gets in that pink Corvette, like a motorized vehicle, and like just freaking cruises through and goes up like this big uh, shovel as a ramp and like flies through the sky honestly incredibly epic like fast and furious who like this this is the <laughs> gizmo is the fast gizmo is the furious it's incredible did this movie inspire fast and furious the franchise without this movie would we not have it goes without saying course. yeah <laughs> vin diesel was like i want to have that kind of swag vin diesel jacked gizmo swag Everybody along with Fiona. gizmo I, who can blame them i want to be gizmo i'd be happy to have giant furless ears like that that sounds great here's the thing when i look at gizmo you know like when you see a cute baby and you're just like i would like to eat it mm-hmm. like it is so cute i want to smoosh it and eat it like Every time Gizmo came on to the screen, my brain immediately went to like, oh, I want to just smoosh you. You are so cute and adorable. Look at your little smoosh, smoosh, smoosh. Mm-hmm. Like- <laughs> Designed to provoke that reaction. Absolutely delectable. But everybody on set apparently hated him, which is so sad um, because the puppet was just like total diva so difficult to work with um and at one point they okay you know the scene when all of the gremlins are like in the um the bar and they're throwing darts at gizmo apparently that is because everybody on set just hated gizmo so much that they were like we must torture gizmo um and we must put gizmo through hell and we have a whole list of terrible things we would like to do to gizmo but this is the one that we can put in the movie (laughs) i mean that makes me very upset but also the realities of working with like 40 30 animatronic robot Mm -hmm. things must be hell so imagine how many times they broke down (laughs) Those things were so expensive. Like, Insane. what was the budget for this movie? <laughs> I think it was like thirteen million, something like that. Yeah, eleven or thirteen, somewhere around there. And, and but it, it made like a hundred forty million or something. Yeah, they so they were that. fine. <laughs> but yeah, but I like, mean, thirteen million dollars in nineteen eighty four is an insane amount of money. <laughs> Seriously. Also, like, I. I thought it was claymation for part of it, and I 
was kind of blowing my mind. I was like, this looks like claymation to me because it was doing that like strobe thing, especially in like the first part with uh, when the mom first comes into the kitchen. There's one part and I'm like, okay, that gremlin is, is definitely claymation. And then there's another part where they're all walking over the hill, like 30 gremlins. I was like, that part's claymation. Apparently, no. <laughs> like maybe I was wrong, but I think they tried claymation and then they were like, no. And they also <laughs> tried dressing up little monkeys in outfits. <laughs> oh, gee, I wonder why that didn't work. <laughs> they, like, put, like, the gremlin, like, helmet on a monkey. And the monkey was, like, went absolutely apeshit. Ha, ha, ha. And <laughs> went all over the, the director's office, ripped up all his shit, pooped on everything. And apparently the director, John Dante, is that his name? was like, so puppets? <laughs> Let's do that instead. Um, that does feel in character, though. I feel like they're not giving this monkey enough credit for going method. <laughs> exactly. They would, But the film just would, like, imagine the, the utter true-to-life chaos that it would have been if it had been, like, Jared 30 monkeys. do it on Suicide Squad. They should have let 40 <laughs> monkeys do it on this movie. <laughs> oh god it'll be beautiful i wish i hope that there's somewhere like a screen test of the monkey in the gremlin hat but that poor monkey and i'm glad that the monkey got to go back to being like a monkey maybe hopefully after this horrible traumatizing experience of being forced into a gremlin suit yeah i am glad i guess that there was no um animal cruelty on set because there was plenty of animal cruelty suggested in regards to barney in this movie (gasps) barney the dog and if you count the gremlins as animals there was a lot of very creative animal cruelty against them (laughs) oh yeah definitely um Let's just talk about Barney the dog for a second because, one, I got Barney the dog's name confused with Billy, the main character, and called him the dog's (laughs) name the entire time we were watching it. So I do apologize, Barney. You also called him another name. called Barney Baxter when Barney comes back. (laughs) When Barney comes back at the end of the movie, I was like, Baxter's back! And you guys were like, Barney! So again, we're great at names on this podcast. <laughs> I need to pay a little bit better attention, I think. Um, I was multitasking by drinking a terrible melon flavored seltzer at the same time and was distracted by how disgusting it was. So that's part of the reason, but it's not a good excuse. But anyway, Barney the dog. Barney the dog was played by a dog actor whose name was Mushroom. Mushroom. That's such a good idea. Mushroom, mushroom. Badger, badger, badger. Wow. I really just did not know what the hell you were doing for a second. And I was like, are you okay? But I'm there. I'm with you now. I'm with you now. (laughs) Also, very timely for the 2020 watcher because cottage core is so big right now. And I'm also going through a big mushroom phase. I bought a fondue pot that has mushrooms on it on eBay two weeks ago. So really appreciate it right now. Yeah, I didn't have the money for that bad decision. But anyway, Barney the dog, absolutely beautiful and was protected by his owners in a horror horror movie setting. And I got to hand it out to the whole entire family there for protecting Barney at all costs by bringing him to grandma's house. Because if he would have died... I would have died too. 
Yeah, I gotta say, we started watching this movie, we were introduced to Barney, and because I did not yet know the nature of this film, I was like, oh, I bet this is gonna finally be one of the horror movies where the dog survives, especially after we watched The Lodge last week, and the dog does not survive, which, by the way, they do at one point call the dog a dogsicle at one point here, um... There's a little doxical reference. That's our through line from the lodge to this movie. Um, Dark through line this time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think if if Barney had stuck around, he would not have fared so well. So it's like a scream three situation where it's like, thankfully, somebody just sent the dog somewhere safe during the horrors of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does you know, come in at the end and do some crucial, you know fighting not really but he is there at the end (laughs) so thank god for barney so the original script um was supposed to be a lot darker they had the gremlins killing barney but also killing billy's mom and then beheading her and then bowling her head down the stairs and let's just talk about how Chris Columbus, the man who wrote this, is a sick fuck. What is yeah. wrong with him? Um, apparently, Steven Spielberg had to step in and was like, no, we can't do this. Like, <laughs> he had to be like, mm, I get it, but no. They were like, oh, we have to make this a little more family oriented, but like what about Not this much. movie is family oriented? <laughs> Which is so I mean, I, again, I feel like a lot of this movie, they were just like, we'll wing it. And then in editing, they were like, eh, we don't need that. Just cut it. Because so much of this movie um, just kind of hops around without getting too deep into anything. And, like, they introduce Judge Reinhold's character in the beginning, Gerald. And then we never see him again. Nope. Um And, like, Pete, we do have a moment after the water spill um, in Billy's art studio um where we see him like fighting off gremlins and like cutting the christmas lights that they're dangling from um and you know he does a great job but apparently there were like lots more scenes with people that they just decided to leave on the cutting room floor and not get into like Gerald was supposed to be fighting alongside Billy and Kate for pretty much the entire movie and then for whatever reason they're like eh um but the novelization apparently gets into a lot more of this oh, stuff, it's um, so bad. which is again super dark. Um, because IMDb trivia said there is a deleted scene with Gerald where he locks himself inside of a bank vault to like protect himself, presumably from the gremlins. And then in the novel, it's like he did go insane. He did need to be institutionalized after that. Um, and then Mr. Corbin, the bank manager, the, in the novel, he was killed by the gremlins. And then in the novel, Pete, Corey Feldman, was blamed himself for the death of Mr. Hansen. Don't know who that is, but he ran away from home and is never seen again. Like, that's what it says. This is insane. It's just, that's just terrible. It's just traumatizing. Why? <laughs> yeah, it's just like insanely dark and so um fucked up and I just had no clue 
um, how brutally these gremlins were gonna be murdered throughout the film. And it is, like, so creative, so unnecessarily insane. Um, I tried to keep track of them. Oh, Mr. Hansen is the teacher who dies with the syringe stuck in his butt, which... Oh, my God. And the, you know what they did originally for his death? Yes, but I want you to tell everybody else. Uh... <laughs> they had okay so he has one syringe in his butt and that's how he's dead in the in the final cut but in the original he had like a close-up of his face with like a hundred syringes stuck into his face and like okay i get it he was testing on animals and that's super fucked up but like i have a needle phobia so no (laughs) yeah it just like okay the mom goes balls to the wall killing these gremlins one she like mixers to death in the cake mixer one she fully stabs to death um one of them she explodes in the microwave another gremlin is beheaded with a sword and then its head goes into the fireplace where it screams as it's being burned alive Love um, that part. there's another gremlin who's like spun on the fan in the bar until it's thrown into a dartboard presumably where it meets its demise another one is smashed under a car hood obviously the most of them are exploded in the movie theater like billy's ready to blunt force trauma stripe at the end where he gets the baseball bat it's just i i didn't know we were going there you know what i mean i had absolutely no hint that that's where we were going (laughs) it is kill or be killed chuff that's how it goes all right it's christmas eve and it's kill or be killed clearly they (laughs) do or die they don't kill as much as um they were initially supposed to like a lot other characters i guess were originally supposed to die and we were gonna see some of them die um but they do cause some real deaths like um obviously mr hansen with the syringe in his butt and then there's the guy who gets like pulled his arm into the mailbox we don't necessarily see him die but i am gonna go ahead and assume that he either suffered major injuries or or died okay and zooming in on that part the pastor was about to stick his arm in that mail slot and then he hears something weird and he's like actually my congregant is that a word it is now (laughs) you do it first so that was a little like "Mm," about pastors and i was like that's not very godly of him how dare he and also i really liked that nice little man's fit who put his arm in the the post box his face was so kind. I did not want anything bad to happen to him. He's adorable. And I think I recognize him from something, but I'll never know what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just, um, a, a lot went on with these gremlins. Although I gotta say the Mrs. Deagle moment. Okay. It was both great because obviously Mrs. Deagle was Scrooge. And so get fucked. She's a big bitch. Um, but also we just watched Run with our OG spooky crew this week. And oh my god. The movie is about like Sarah Paulson is the mother of a daughter who's a wheelchair user. Um, blah 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 from there. But the chairlift in the home plays like an integral role in the plot. And so to watch that movie where the daughter is like the hero of the film and like you see her overcoming adversity despite her chairlift being sabotaged and stuff like that and then to watch 
this movie where the chairlift is once again sabotaged to the degree that it yeets her out of her home where she dies like it did feel a little not okay the juxtaposition absolutely muted oh seriously (laughs) but like okay let's roll back just a little bit yes that is probably bad because she she had she is in need of a chairlift and we don't want to make fun of her for needing a chairlift that is something that is totally fine. But you know what's not totally fine? Being mad at a boy's dog for breaking your snowman. And in response to that, saying, I want your dog. Give him to me. I'll take him to the kennel. They'll put him to sleep. It will be quick and painless compared to what I would do to him. That is a thing that she says in the film. So She does you know, deserve to die. She deserves to die. <laughs> Also, a fun little thing about her is all of her cats, because she has like 40,000 cats. There's like five. They're all named (laughs) after different uh, forms of currency, like like peso and dollar bill and all these different things. (laughs) Listen, she was all about her coins, okay? Like she knew what made her happy and it was money, money, money. Yeah. yeah. She should have gotten together with Gerald. Could have been a cougar sort of scenario. It would have been very exciting, but it, it never would have worked. In his new apartment. <laughs> True. It never would have worked though, because she her eyebrows were a crime to humanity and a punishable offense just in and of themselves. So something to note. They were really bad. <laughs> I will say, though, um, she is, like, a predatory landlord, apparently. But on the Deagle real estate sign, per IMDb, I did not notice this, but I had a lot going on in my brain while watching this movie. There was a lot <laughs> to take in. Um, but apparently her hours of operation for Deagle real estate are 1030 to 1115, Monday to Friday. That's the ideal work schedule, I have to say. You get 45 minutes. the ideal schedule. 45 minutes I would like. And then the whole rest of the 23 hours of the day and 15 minutes, you just get to be an ice cold bitch to everyone around you. Sounds wonderful. You work for 45 (laughs) minutes and then the rest of the day you just dream up ways to murder somebody's dog. Like that sounds manageable to me. Wonderful. What a life. What a life. Cut too short. No, it was right on time. (laughs) (laughs) But okay, we swooped past this pretty quickly, but I just want to put some shine on Mama, okay? The mom who comes down and just yeets all of those freaking gremlins right away. She has been through shit, and you can tell because. Her, her damn husband, we love him. He's a wonderful man, but he's an invest, in, investor, an inventor, and he's really bad at it, but he's cute. We like that about him. It's fun. He's got creativity, but every single one of his inventions are fucking flying death traps, and so that's why I think that the mom is so prepared to just absolutely destroy all of these gremlins because, <laughs> like, she has been fighting for her life for however long this marriage has been, like, dodging, like eggs flying out of the egg cracker like juice exploding everywhere god knows what the shaving attachment of the bathroom buddy would do to you like she was ready for anything and she turned those inventions into weapons immediately i did think we were gonna get more of the inventions playing a role in the gremlins destruction um but they were basically like no he's just a failed inventor and that's just kind of where it is 
There's a lot of missed potential there. <laughs> they were just like, that's background color, and it just explains why he had to find something cool for his son. But other than that, just don't think about it too much, or you will realize that he's kind of a sad man. Um, and they like... <laughs> IMDB talks about that too because the guy who plays the role is the guy they initially wanted for the role but there was someone else who auditioned that they were like he's so good and he brings so much humanity to the role he really brings it to life to the point that it is too much and it will be depressing so he cannot do it. (laughs) It's like it would be distracting everyone would love him too much and so no he is overqualified for this position and you know that hurts to hear. The poor guy. I hope he got another starring role or something down the line. But again, we'll never know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there is one thing um, that I want to talk about this movie. We talked about how Mrs. Deagle deserved what she got, and she absolutely did. There's another character that is, like, very questionable to me in this film. um, And that's, I believe his name is Mr. Futterman. Didn't know his name during the movie, did process it afterwards, um, but throughout the film, he kept being like, these damn foreign technologies, they've got gremlins in them. Um, and I hadn't heard of this before, but Sydney pointed me to the Wikipedia page where this is like a real mythology kind of thing. Um, where soldiers who fought in World War II believed that there were little creatures like living inside their planes and sabotaging them. And then Roald Dahl wrote a book about it. Um, And once I was seeing this, I was like, oh yeah, like the Twilight Zone episode. Okay, like I remember the William Shatner episode um, where he's on a plane and he sees a little creature on the wing of the plane sabotaging it. So it's like, Okay, I kind of know. That's William Shatner in that episode? Yeah. I had no idea what you were talking about when you mentioned that to me earlier. I was like, God, I don't remember him being in any Twilight Zone episodes. All right, continue. I'm an idiot. Yeah, so that's like one of the most famous Twilight Zone episodes. Um, Nightmare at 20,000 feet, it's called. And that came out in the 60s. Um, The Roald Dahl book came out in like the 40s, I think, the 30s or 40s. Um, And then this movie obviously came out in the 80s. So there's like a storied history here of gremlins and what they mean and that being like an established term that people, I guess, were supposed to recognize when they watch this movie. I did not. So the whole time I was just like, this guy is fucked up. Um, I still think he's fucked up, but now I get where this is coming from um instead of just being like blatantly xenophobic the whole time um but yeah. also it's still, still xenophobic is, <laughs> yeah it's still xenophobic and it's like very weird within the narrative of this movie um because Mr. Futterman in the beginning is like these damn foreign cars and foreign TVs and they put gremlins in them and they even have gremlins in your watches and in your earbuds and like all this stuff. He goes on this rant multiple times, um, Mm -hmm. but it's played like, oh, he's crazy and drunk and old, whatever. He's just like experiencing PTSD from the war, which is also fucked. Um, But (laughs) He's got a lot of ghosts, man. Yeah, they're just like, he's got justified trauma, so we're not going to worry about it too much. Um, but then when the gremlins go crazy and are attacking the town, there's a line where Billy's like, Mr. Futterman was right all along. But then at the end of the movie, 
when the grandfather from Chinatown comes back to collect Gizmo and be like, you guys should never have had this and you were so irresponsible with it and this is why you don't appropriate other cultures without being informed about what the deal is. Um, It felt like, okay, that's like a moral we can still get behind today. Don't culturally appropriate and also don't bring invasive species into new locales. Um, But the movie ends and then the narrator is like, but if your technology is on the fritz, check for gremlins. And I was just like, what is going on here? The moral of the story is that the foolish Americans cannot learn from their mistakes, even when a nice man with a spooky eye specifically spells it out for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I just, straight up. Yeah, I think the messaging is just like all over the place in this movie a little bit. And it was like very strange to me with the takeaway because it's like Mr. Futterman is crazy but then Billy is like he's right but then the grandfather at the end is like he's not right because foreign things are not inherently bad if you know how to deal with them responsibly and take care of things but then the movie ends and the narrator is like okay but if shit is fucked it is probably gremlins and we know where the gremlins come from within the context of this film it's just messed up to me No, and I feel like the moral of this movie is actually that Americans are just so dumb and thick that, like, even when a nice man with a spooky eye spells it out for you exactly, they're still not taking it home. They're still not taking home the message. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. I read some really interesting um, essays about this actually online. One is by a writer named Sozin Kohler. I I don't know if that's pronounced correctly, but I did my best um, on Black Girl Nerds. And she basically had the a lot of the same exact thoughts that I did, which is like, this is warning exactly about cultural appropriation and invasive species in the same way. And I had this exact same thought where she mentioned um, like Burmese pythons that people get when they're little as pets in Florida and then all of a sudden it's still a giant Burmese python when it gets older and they're like oh no this is now beyond my control I guess I'll just let it free in the Everglades and now it's like you've got these invasive species and Burmese pythons going crazy in the Everglades because people are just like oh this is a little out of hand I'm just gonna let it be somebody else's problem like absolutely no, that is like the worst thing you could do. Um, That's I don't know. Outrageously <laughs> stupid. <laughs> yeah. Like as somebody who went to summer camp on Catalina Island in my youth, I also learned a lot about um, there's like a herd of bison on Catalina Island that were brought over to film like some silent Western movie in the 20s. And they've, like, managed to get it under control in the 100-year sense. And now they, like, still have the bison, um, but they, like, control the population or whatever. But Catalina Island also had issues where it's like, oh, they had rattlesnakes. So they brought over feral pigs to deal with the rattlesnakes. But then it was like the pigs were nocturnal, the snakes were not nocturnal. So now they had a snake problem and a pig problem. Uh, and as <laughs> You know, it's it's just um, this movie to me was very like well-meaning American ignorance um, because at the end, while the grandfather was like, 
you did a really bad job here and I'm going to take Gizmo off your hands because um, you're clearly not ready for this. And also I never said you could have it in the first place, but the dad gives him the bathroom buddy and the grandfather's just like, you're a good guy. Like <laughs> they're still just like <laughs> friends, I guess. He's like, it's, it's fine. I forgive you. <laughs> I don't know. Just a, just a lot, a lot going on in this movie. Oh, I love this stupid stupid dumb 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 movie it is so pure and the purest part about this movie is the bar scene yeah okay first of all the intellectual property in this film is off the chain like obviously they have lots of steven spielberg references like we see et at least once or twice um, there's a lot of allusions to E.T. I think we see Bugs Bunny also, which makes sense because this is a Warner Brothers movie. Um, but they also, the the Gremlins watch Snow White. Like, I am so sure that that little pink car that Gizmo was driving was a Barbie car. Um, just absolutely so much intellectual property made it into this film, which is insane to me. I don't know. Just and then they they reference so many different scenes in in the bar scene with like flash dance and stuff. Dude, the flash dance is hilarious. But that was also, a beautiful moment. There's also a like I was just like mentally looking at all of them. There's a drunk Irish gremlin, which okay. Um, there's the flasher. Um, yes, there's a little flasher gremlin. <laughs> Why is he there? Kate cannot escape creeps even when they're gremlins at her work. Um, There's a cowboy gremlin and there's also a prostitute gremlin. So, Yeah, and then there's also that gremlin that has puppets and I'm like, is this supposed to be meta? Like, because they're puppets. And that only occurred to me now. In the moment, I was like, that's a fucking freak gremlin that he has puppets. (laughs) But now I'm like, oh, I think it was supposed to be meta. (laughs) Like a little lobster. How fun. Please stop. The gremlins were absolutely unhinged, insane, just... I uh, overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed by these gremlins. I think the bar scene, even though I enjoyed it, it went on for like five minutes of just these gremlins in a bar doing like (laughs) insane things. Like it is one of my favorite scenes, but it's just like, why are we here? Why is this taking so long? I wanted it to be longer. I was like, let's really dive into their world, into this utopia of gremlins within this Irish bar. (laughs) Um, It also shows that the gremlins won't kill you if you are useful to them because they have Kate in there who's like serving them drinks and like lighting (laughs) their cigarettes and like making sure they're fed. So the gremlins are like, nah, you're fine. That's, that's I have the a lot of questions about the nature of these gremlins, and I just um, don't know if I will ever get these questions answered. They go full murder right away when they're born. Do they, like, chill out and settle into, like, who they are as they learn to Christmas carol and stuff like that? You know what I mean? Like, as they acquire more skills, are they adapting to society? Are they taking over? 
are they there is a scene i don't know if it was like cut from the movie or if it's from the novelization but allegedly there was a scene where the gremlins are eating someone so it feels like oh that's when they attack the mcdonald's oh yeah yes okay apparently there was gonna be a scene where they go in mcdonald's and instead of eating burgers they eat the customers (laughs) i can't believe they'd skip out on a big mac opportunity like that but you know I just, I don't really get it, but I feel like their whole, like, MO is just, like, inflicting pain. Like, when they're singing Christmas carols, it's not because they're like, we love Christmas now. It's because I feel like they just know that Ms. Deagle freaking can't stand Christmas character car- carolers, excuse me. And so they're like, let's, like, really annoy her and then eat her off of the third story of her home. <laughs> But then they're all so soothed as they sing along to Hi-Ho and Snow White. And I was like, have they watched this movie five times already that they now all know the song and they're just like playing it on repeat? Or is it just like they're just jamming along and they're happy to do what is like, I don't know. I have 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 a lot of questions as to why Snow White. Like, why do they love Snow White? so much like they are just as rowdy in that theater well there's that but like they are just as rowdy in that theater as the opening of scream 2 (laughs) just so true they relate to a group of tiny men who are misunderstood by the rest of the world okay and they wanted kate to be their snow white but it didn't work out that's it. That's the subject. Oh, that's a good reading, actually. I, oh, I like that reading. <laughs> okay, but also, can we talk about Kate for, like, a hot second? Let's talk about her for yeah. many seconds. There's a lot to talk about. One, <laughs> well, Chelsea thought it was two different people in this movie. <laughs> like, Billy starts, like, flirting with Kate, like, later on in the film, and she's like, what about that bank girl? And I'm like, Chelsea... <laughs> She had looked like she had short hair. I thought we were having like a short. You know how sometimes they have to pick between two girls, and one is like your nice short-haired work colleague, and one of them is like your long-haired bar wench temptress. I just thought we were getting like a short hair, long hair dichotomy. Listen, Kate is versatile. She can be both. <laughs> Get you a girl who can be a temptress bar wench and who can be a chaste banker. Exactly. Isn't that what all men want? Especially in 1984. She's a chameleon. (laughs) She goes through a lot, though. Judge negs her at the beginning, and then the flasher gremlin is, like, sexually harassing her at the climax of the movie. There's just, like, a lot. her place of employment. Her place of employment. But, like, oh, Throughout the movie where she alludes to, like, why she hates Christmas. Because don't forget, this is a Christmas movie. Oh, my God. And, uh, like, I don't know. I get this movie is supposed to be absurd. But this movie is also, when this came out, there wasn't a PG-13 rating. And so, and it was billed. But, like, this movie was billed as, like, a kid's christmas movie like it had (laughs) (laughs) parents show up with like their eight-year-old children (laughs) 
and are just like, what the actual fuck is wrong with this movie? Like, um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, Kate's backstory is going to haunt my dreams. I actually look forward to the nightmare I have about her backstory because it will be one for the books. Um, I mean, I have the whole story. Should I read it? But she says, because you really kind of need the whole picture. Give us that quote, baby. Okay. So she says, now I have another reason to hate Christmas. And Billy's like, what are you talking about? And she says, the worst thing that ever happened to me was on Christmas. Oh, God, it was so horrible. It was Christmas Eve. I was nine years old. Me and mom were decorating the tree, waiting for dad to come home from work. A couple hours went by. Dad wasn't home. So mom called the office. No answer. Christmas Day came and went and still nothing. So the police began a search. Four or five days went by. Neither of us could eat or sleep. Everything was falling apart. It was snowing outside. The house was freezing. So I went to try to light up the fire. And then that's when I noticed the smell. The firemen came and broke through the chimney top. And me and mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or bird. And instead, they pulled out my father. He was He was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. He'd been climbing down the chimney, his arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. He slipped and broke his neck. He died instantly. And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. But okay, imagine it's 1984. You take your children to go see this adorable Christmas movie that you think is going to be fun and family friendly. And all of a sudden you get murderous reptilian animals and you have to explain to your children that Santa isn't real. Like this is how you learn that Santa isn't real. Like this is the not only do you have to talk to your children about Kate's line earlier in the film where she talks about how the rate of suicides go up over Christmas, but she also talks about her dad dying horribly in an accident. And there are gremlins getting microwaved to death. And then also Santa isn't real. It's just so much for a child to try and comprehend. Um, And I can absolutely imagine why people were like, no, and this film should be burned. And I am going to sue Warner Brothers. Listen, say what you want about Gen uh, X, but they have truly seen some shit. (laughs) It was like the wild, wild west. Like anything fucking goes. I do have to say, um, we keep talking about this movie as a Christmas movie, and it clearly is if you watch it, but also, can we acknowledge the fact that this movie came out in June? Did you guys know A lot of Christmas movies come out in June. Do they? (laughs) Yeah. But this one, the reason why it came out in June is because they were like, oh, man, there's going to be, like, a big opening for a summer blockbuster. Let's, like, do this really fast so we can get it out there, even though it's explicitly set at Christmas time. But then jokes on them because this literally came out the same day as Ghostbusters. So (laughs) that didn't work. (laughs) I just... Can you imagine watching this movie in june it just feels like um you would walk out of the theater in 1984 
no longer tethered to time or space or reason. You know what I mean? I feel like if I saw this movie in June of 1984, it would give me some kind of existential crises where I just would um, come out a changed person than who I was when I went into the theater. Yeah, that's how I felt in 2020 October when I watched it for the first time. So definitely changed me body and soul. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, Chelsea, the the absolute Christmas classic Miracle on 34th Street came out June 4th, 1947. That makes me feel 1,000 times worse. I don't know why this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a lot of movies, like Christmas movies that come out. Why? Not around Christmas. Why not? Die Why? Hard came out in July 15th in 1988, which, as we all know, is the greatest Christmas movie ever. Oh, for sure. 100%. Oh okay, that God. makes a little bit more sense to me, though, because at least there's that, like, thing that people say, like, Christmas in July. Christmas in July. Ha, ha, ha. Um, but, like, June is not July and also very close <laughs> to July. Point, so why not just put it in July? Thank you. Thank you. I finally got the calendar down. <laughs> <laughs> Took some time. <laughs> I don't know. I just... This movie is so um, unlike anything I have ever seen and will ever see, I think. And I will be processing this um, until the end of time. My favorite thing about this movie is that there is no other time period where this movie could have been made. Like, you try to make this movie in 2020 and you are getting nowhere. Like, this movie is not happening. You try to make this movie in the 70s? Absolutely not. But, like, the 80s was such a weird time. And I... That's like, what it I is. It's the blow. Oh, man. I forgot about that. <laughs> Like, I think it's why 80s movies are always my favorite. Because just, you'd never be able to make them in any other time but the 80s. <laughs> yeah, okay. I just, um, go ahead, Monica. Go. Oh, sorry. Okay, but the one thing, I feel like this could happen in the now if Steven Spielberg had gone with one of his directors that he considered for this movie. He considered Tim Burton to do this. <laughs> But Tim Burton had only done short films at the time. He'd never done a feature length. So Steven Spielberg was like, you know, it's a risk. But can you imagine how just absolutely macabre this would be? Even more so in like such a dreary way. I would love for him to do a remake even now. I would love it. it would I don't know. I feel like it would be all blue-tinged and claymation. And it I would lose some of the... Um, unhinged energy it has because it would be more rooted in like logic probably yeah he does think Um, things through a lot of the time unlike yeah joe dante just wilds out um absolutely every opportunity that he can but what's really interesting to me is um you know if they did it today they would do like cgi which fine whatever but the cgi does not have that um 
untethered energy from reality that the puppets have the animatronics have um and one of like the whole they don't like bright light thing that rule for the mogwai came from the fact that they were like these puppets are like gum and shoestring together so we just can't show them in bright lighting or people will be like that shit looks fake um (laughs) And that's why they have to be, like, in darkness and shadow the whole film. Listen, it is a proven fact that puppets are absolutely unhinged. Like, no matter where (laughs) they are in any form of media, you know you are having an absolutely insane performance when a puppet is involved. (laughs) Yeah, I also, like, I don't trust a single puppet that exists, um, even though I definitely had, like, little hand puppets, even that. Even the little lobster hand puppet that they have in the bar scene, still don't trust it. And I I also um, am triggered by puppets because in my basement of my apartment right now, there is a Tupperware box, not a Tupperware box, one of those big storage boxes. Um, And my my, uh, next door neighbor moved out and I saw it down there and I opened it. And inside was just three like avenue q style muppet puppets in there and i was like absolutely what the fuck is this so i took a picture i texted it to my neighbor and i was like oh i think you left this insane shit in my in your our basement in our shared basement please get rid of it no i said something nice she's amazing and she was like i have never seen that before in my life and it is not mine so there are scary ghost cursed puppets in my basement right now and i will not touch them because if i take it out of the house for sure it's gonna come kill me um but yeah this is like a hot button issue for me um that's why (laughs) they were cursed on set too which is the thing because like again the gizmo puppet was not designed to, to do very much um and so it simply didn't but obviously the gremlin puppets are a lot more active um but they also had a lot of technological difficulties and there was like one scene where they were filming them that the problems it said imdb um trivia said the problems with the gremlin puppets were so severe that the entire cast fell asleep on the set during the delay as they like tried to get the puppets back in working order like this is the degree to which things were just absolutely off the wall during this movie oh man and there's also that one scene like right when the all the gremlin babies are still little fluffy cuties um but they've just been fed all the chicken and billy and gizmo are laying in bed falling asleep and i guess gizmo's face is supposed to look like he's like drifting off to dreamland but instead he looks like he's like I don't even know, melting or something. <laughs> it looks like a malfunction is happening. His mouth is like open and he looks so worried and he's like like blubbering like a fish and then he falls asleep. And I was like, oh, I thought he was having like a stroke or something very bad. And instead he was just falling asleep. Interesting. Oh. <laughs> it was very alarming. I was like, why is no one upset for, for poor little Mogwai baby here? No, he was fine. <laughs> he was just slumbering. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like we said, this this movie was released when it was um, because 
The studio was like, nobody else is going up against Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Like, let's seize this opportunity to be a blockbuster movie weekend. And then they faced off against Ghostbusters, which won, but only slightly um, in terms of like worldwide box office. But the creators are very proud of how it performed in New York, where everybody was pissed about Ghostbusters because... There was so much traffic while Ghostbusters was being filmed as like streets were shut down to film the movie. Um, But again, it just feels like this was the wild, wild west, not only because it was the 80s, but also because everything in this movie was just like done on the fly. Like the dad just improvised all of his lines instead of following the exact script and everybody's storyline like judge gets cut out of the whole ass movie basically and like we just never see some people again or find out what happened to them um and even the director himself his name is joe dante by the way i think we called him john dante earlier but it's joe John Dante. Um, but apparently he is bad at name podcast it's it's part of our charm um (laughs) I mean, is it? I don't know. But it sure is a quality that we have. Um, he apparently said, I still have no idea why this picture was successful. And he liked the sequel better, which just goes to show you that everyone involved with this movie was just like, we don't know what's happening either. So a lot of people, I've never seen the sequel. Um, a lot of people online are you know have very strong opinions about the sequel but a lot of people really like it because it's a parrot it's more of a parody of the first movie they're like the first movie is like serious and all this kind of stuff but the sequel gets to be like funny and i think they like bring up the t- the whole time zone thing so now i'm gonna watch gremlins too you're telling me that people thought this movie, Gremlins 1984, which we just watched, people watched this movie and thought it was too serious. Yes. <laughs> they were like, the movie, Finally, the second one needs fun. to have more fun and be sillier. Like, after that whole bar scene, you're telling me people watched this movie and they were like, how do we make it funnier? How do we make it more of a parody? <laughs> yes. Like, it's, it truly makes me want to go watch Gremlins 2. No, we uh, literally have to watch Gremlins 2 because our friend from Spooky Crew, Rebecca, her dad is, like, famed makeup artist Rick Baker, and he does Gremlins 2. So he, like, designs all of the monsters, everything, and just knocks it out of the freaking park. And he co-produced it, so I'm excited to watch that one. Wow, you're definitely going to have to watch Gremlins too. Oh yeah, 100%. Not next week, but soon. We need a little bit of space, I think, um, to take some deep breaths and maybe recover. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if like I have um, the emotional or intellectual capacity to handle Gremlins too, um, but I guess guess we'll see. Let's wait until like February. (laughs) Okay, is there, should we talk about our favorite deaths or favorite attacks, I guess, and some of the deaths are a little ambiguous? Yes, yes, I want to go first. My absolute favorite death is Stripe's death. (laughs) Stripe's death is so disturbing. (laughs) It's so, like, all of the little Grammys, 
all of their deaths are very disturbing. But Spike's death? Spike. Okay. Stripe Spike. It's <laughs> anonymous. It's the same. Same thing. Like, child Sydney was horrified at it. And adult Sydney is equally as horrified. It is so gross like i don't know the 80s knew how to do slime well and the fact that this like little evil body just like and this is when the dad comes back and is like what's going on and he like walks in and this gremlin is being just like melted by acid sunlight and he just like and then um he's in the little fountain and then his body just like jumps out of the fountain and it's covered in slime and it's like still moving he's like i will not go down this easily and then he finally dies and then we see um like as everybody's walking away it like turns back to the puddle of like gross goo and it's like bubbling like it's still (laughs) bubbling. I just had a really great time. It was, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I had a great time watching it. I would say that I was, like, my jaw was on the floor the whole time. But, like, what a spooky skeleton. And you know what? I respect Spike slash Stripe for, you know, refusing to back down, even as he melted into a goopy pile. That I also like that all of their blood is, like, green they have like weird green <laughs> blue blood it's my favorite thing they definitely got away with such dramatic gore especially in the kitchen scene with the mom because the blood was green like if that blood was red yeah. everyone would be like oh you know but like it's green so it's like oh it's it's fine that could be anything it's just some relish like it's fine oh, oh. <laughs> i don't like calling it relish i'm sorry um. But, but that's, I those will are my say, favorite deaths. Oh, sorry. You go. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know if, if Spike's death, uh, Stripe's death is my favorite. Um, I will say it's iconic. I have to say his, like, final moments in the face-off were some of my most favorite crazy moments in the whole movie. Um, Because not only does he, like, shoot a baseball at Billy through that, like, automatic pitcher machine – um, he also shoots him with a crossbow and then he like crawls to the fountain and he has that quote where he's like water and then he sees a gun and he's like gun and the fact that he's just like timed this dramatic moment perfectly where he waited to reveal himself with the water and the gun until Billy approached like incredible king shit um <laughs> just- absolutely his the the gremlins are clearly very smart they figure out how technology works they know how to scream the movie they know how to watch this movie and like take it in learn how to play the piano etc lots going on there um but that he has a concept of dramatic timing to me was particularly impressive Seriously, he's he was born for the stage. He knows how to get them with the anticipation. He knows what he's doing, and we love that about him. R.I.P. Stripe slash Spike. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite death, Chelsea? Um, 
just because it took me so entirely by surprise and because I've mentioned it 500 times so far I do think it has to be the gremlin in the microwave because it was just so beyond the boundaries of what I was expecting and it was so early on in the film um where I was just as as we got the whole like kitchen fight with the mom that's when I started to process like oh we're going there um and then she exploded one in the microwave and that was I mean the stabbing one I was like oh shit oh, um yeah, had some pent-up aggression going on there yeah like the one in the mixer you know that's kind of understandable because it's like she's just turning on the technology at hand um but the stabbing one takes things to the next level and then she shoves one into the microwave and closes it and turns it on and I was just like I just didn't know that like this is what we were doing tonight you know what I mean like I was so unprepared and that's the moment where I finally understood that I was in over my head yeah you it can- goes to from zero to 60 in like one half of a second <laughs> it's jarring you can see the little gremlin body like writhing in pain in the microwave like when they pan out which is something that i didn't notice before but like mm. the detail work on the this realism the realism it's yes. the realism for me <laughs> it explodes you know it's just like Wow, it's that's all I have to say for it. What about you, Monica? Were you saying the kitchen ones were your favorite too? Oh, I mean, that whole scene is like my favorite part of the entire movie because it's just, like you said, so unexpected because of the gore, but also because like it's she's such a nice like mommy and then all of a sudden she's like, bad mommy who kills, who fights to the death and wins. Um, and so I love that. But I also will say that I really liked the death immediately after the kitchen scene when Billy comes home because at the beginning of the movie, the dad comes home from his business trip and he puts a sword back on the wall. And I was like, I'm glad to know that he's a guy who has swords that checks out for me. (laughs) Like he really seemed like a dude who would collect swords. And then I'm really glad that the sword was used. Um, So Billy Mm -hmm. comes home and he's like, you know what? I'm a sword boy too. And he just doesn't, waste a second it slices off that gremlin's head and sends it into the fire um it's beautiful beautiful continuity return of the thor the the sword theme um or thward which was what i was about to say um (laughs) and i really liked the continuity you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it was beautiful (laughs) is there anywhere that we feel like this movie could have been gayer I feel like there was bound to be something a little bit gay happening with all of the Gremlins in the pub, but not explicitly enough. I feel like that was a great opportunity right then and there. (laughs) There was one Gremlin wearing lipstick and a wig, and I was like, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to think this is a girl Gremlin or if this Gremlin is in drag or... You know what? This the gremlins again, we were joking about this, but the gremlins they might not have the same concept of biological sex and gender that we do. Maybe they're all non-binary. They're all they them gremlins. They uh, are a and, superior race of of you know little monsters. <laughs> so it's hard to say whether or not anything was gay with the gremlins because again, we just don't have the scientific knowledge about um, their species. I guess things could have been a little gayer with 
like Billy could have been gay. Um, I think Gerald uh, secretly was in love with Billy. I like that too. I was thinking that as well, that like Judge's whole thing and why he was such a mean butt face was that he was struggling with some internal questioning, you know? And he was taking it out on the object of his affection, Billy, but also Kate. So bisexual king, but a jerk. And he goes insane and we never see him again. So doesn't really <laughs> doesn't really do it. Not great representation. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> and then, okay, the age old question, where does our boy Maddie Lily go? I'm so sorry, Matthew Lillard. <laughs> Um, I just, I want him to be the voice of Gizmo instead of Howie Mandel somehow. Because I don't feel comfortable that it's Howie Mandel. <laughs> it just, no, he would obviously ugh. be the voice of Stripe. Yes. Obviously. Oh, that feels right. That feels really right. A hundred percent. Obviously the voice okay, of Stripe. Okay, and then here's my other rewrite. My other Matthew that I love, Matthew Gray Goobler. We know that he can do a squeaky voice because he's in the Chipmunks movies. The Chipmunk. <laughs> um, he could be Gizmo, and we would just get Howie Mandel out of there. Sorry, Howie Mandel, you're a very nice man, but something about you scares me, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what it is either, but I will say um, we gotta give Howie Mandel his chops for this movie, not just because of the movie it. that we saw where he did a great job, but also because apparently part of the reason this movie was so successful internationally is because like with the bar scene, they changed a lot of the references to be, like, culturally relevant to whatever the release was. So, like, for the release in Germany, they changed them to the Gremlins, like, singing German beer songs and stuff like that. Um, and Howie Mandel did the same thing with Gizmo, where, like, okay, in the beginning, Gizmo's, like, learning words. Um, but it's not implied – I mean, I guess it's implied with Stripe at the end that he knows – water is water and gun is gun which that's a whole other issue um but in the beginning gizmo is just like repeating words that billy is saying um or that he's hearing on the radio or whatever um but apparently howie mandel learned how to say words at least phonetically in other languages for other releases of the film so that like all the little in jokes and stuff like that would still work and it would still like he did all of the international gizmo voice versions too so he did like a whole bunch of different language moments so that's a kudos to him he worked it okay i'll give him that and i love gizmo so much mostly in part to his cute little voice but it was just very disturbing for me to be in love with something that was voiced by howie mandel and that's sure. where the issue lies but you're a talented sure. man and america's got talent was very successful for a time so thank you <laughs> For a time. What a bird. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh. Is okay. It's time to award. Our okay. 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 <laughs> it's time. It really is. We're all in agreement. It's time to do our knives out of five. No. No. no you were done <laughs> I'm We're all in agreement. I'm the dumbest. I'm the dumbest. I'm the dumbest. I did that last week with Solange. I did ten knives out of fives, and then Sydney was like, "No." 
I just, it's so funny to me that you said we're all in agreement. <laughs> we're like so in sync. Like, oh my God, how do we do it? Uh, this, I, we're just all doing our best. <laughs> besides me who is the dumb bitch of this movie and I feel like we have like quite a few I'm still crying I feel like we have quite a few options here to discuss um okay I've, I've collected myself I'm between two different people for the dumb bitch and it's it's hard no three ooh Okay, someone else go first. I'm still, I'm still thinking. And here's our Wait, screaming at my face. I am going to nominate all the humans except for the nice old Asian man at the beginning. Mm. Are the dumb bitches? Agree. Agree. Like every single one of them. Like even the small kid that he sold of the things when his grandpa was like, "No, do not do this." The man bought it. Like Billy and Pete spilt water on him. They did everything. Like and then at the end of the movie, the old grandpa man is just like, "Y'all are dumbasses." <laughs> he tells them like, "Y'all can't handle this." So exactly. I just vote, like you guys are stupid as hell. Seriously, right? like, I vote every single human in this movie. Except for the mom is mm. a dumb is a dumb bitch. The mom put down. She did what the she mom had and to. the grandfather. Those are the only two. Right. I agree with you there. I mean, I would have to say that my dumb bitch will fall into the category of one of the humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we're all gonna be with them. I'm certainly not gonna blame any of the gremlins for their behavior. You know what I mean? They're living their best lives. Yeah. No, they were, they are just doing what they want to do. And don't we all wish we could be doing that, you know? So I respect that. Yes. <laughs> um, it's really hard for me to decide if it's the dad or Billy who is the dumb bitch for me. But I That's feel, where I fall too, I think. Yeah, it's one of them. Because like, well, love Billy. Is he hot? Yes. Is he sweet? Yes. Does he care for Barney? Yes. But does he like pay attention at all to the little gizmo in any meaningful way? No. So like, I feel like there are like 25 red flags right at the beginning that he could have caught on to. But would we have been in this situation if Daddy-O hadn't brought the damn thing home in the first place? No. So I don't know. Yeah, it's tough for me because obviously the dad is the reason they're in this situation where he um, asked no follow-up questions about oh. how the Mogwai should be cared for. Um, he gave it to his son and then he was just like, anyway, gotta go. You'll figure it out. Um, the son also asked no follow-up questions about how these Mogwai should be cared for. And he didn't seem particularly concerned about it at all. Um he also is the one that fed them after midnight. Like, I know he looked at his clock and it said 1140 and he was like, it's fine. And then it turns out the clock was broken anyway because they chewed through the wires. So, like, arguably you could say that that's not their fault. But also when we were watching the movie, I was like, if you ask me 1140, if they're not supposed to meet, eat after midnight, 1140 is 100% pushing it. Like, Come I would stop feeding them at 9 p.m. Uh -huh. um, and also. 
he like just throws the chicken in their little dresser drawer with them and then when we see them in the morning there's like 100% still a chicken wing in there that has like not been gnawed on which means that the food was in there with them all night long so even if he gave it to them before midnight which he didn't but wasn't entirely his fault but even if he gave it to them before midnight they still had access to it throughout the whole night so they would have been able to eat it after midnight which now makes me feel like the dad is dumb for giving his son this gift that he didn't prepare him at all to raise but Billy is as far as I can tell supposed to be an adult and not a teenager and should 100% be responsible for his Mm -hmm. own pet um and now I've convinced myself that it's Billy I think yeah you convinced me too like the dad is just it was all out of love he was like oh I'm gonna get him the best Christmas gift ever it's gonna be amazing and then he dipped and that's you know he maybe shouldn't have dipped but Billy you know you're an adult man with a job you already are caring for Barney give give little gizmo just half of the attention that you're giving to Barney and maybe we wouldn't be in this situation no. Yeah, like, is the dad responsible through means of neglect, but, but like, based on the fact that he wasn't there for the drama? Arguably, yes. But also, did he get Barney out of the picture by taking him to the grandma's? Also, yes. So that's a bonus mm. point for saving the dog's life. Agreed. You know what I Big mean? Big agree. For mm-hmm. me, Billy was the one there who saw um, that when Gizmo has babies, the babies are batshit and was not concerned about that. And, I mean, I don't know. They seemed like – not safe to be around to me but he was not at all concerned or careful um and then they went full rupt even when they were in their like pupil stage or whatever when they were in the cocoons everybody was just like these look objectively evil but it's fine and I'm not worried um and they all just went about their days like Billy come on what are you doing Big fail all around. Not good. Even, but he even did pull them all up. Like that was nice, good. <laughs> yeah, even when you get a nice, normal puppy of a regular species that humans are familiar with, you know what I mean? A lot of people do, like, crate training and stuff so that in the middle of the night, the puppy is not getting up to all kinds of mischief when it doesn't know any better yet. And I just feel like Billy, not a responsible pet owner. And for that, I not think he's the dumb bitch. I'm right there with you. These are rock solid arguments. <laughs> what do you think? Is this is it science, actually. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, Billy does fall into my all humans in this movie are the dumb bitch. So I can fully get along with it. I feel like we're on the same page here then. Everyone, but specifically Billy, are the dumb bitch of this movie. Except for the gremlins. They are without any wrong and and beautiful mom and wonderful wise old grandfather yes those are the only guys who get off scot-free <laughs> and little baby gives that's the thing like sure in the script billy was supposed to also help defeat stripe but if we're just going based off what we see he didn't do shit really so no. i mean he just carried him around in the backpack so he could get there faster. He was the sidekick. <laughs> he was the he yeah. was the getaway man. He was the the wheels guy, you know? That's all he did. Which is mm-hmm. helpful, but it's not the crux, the crucial hero move, you know? Thank yeah. God yeah, for you, yeah, Gizmo. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, Monica, now it's time. Would you like to? Yes. Um, oh, we are all on board. I'm going to let you guys We're know. all in agreement. I'm just going to let you know right now that I was about to say, so that about wraps it up for God. <laughs> Monica's like, oh. done. End of podcast. We're over. I'm still crying a little bit from before. But yes, okay, it's time for Knives Out of Fives. Finally, I know you've been waiting. So I don't want to go first because I've not decided yet. So who wants to go first? Um, I'll go. And, you know, for context, this movie on IMDb has 7.3 out of 10. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it got 85% fresh from critics and 78% fresh from audiences. Um, as of 15 seconds ago, before I started talking, I didn't really know how many knives out of fives I was going to give this movie. (laughs) Again, I was a little thrown by the xenophobia narrative and whether or not the film endorses it because it's a little confusing. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and say it was a different time. It was the eighties and I'm just going to accept our don't culturally appropriate message and lean into that. Um, this movie again made no sense i don't think it was particularly trying to it wasn't like thanks killing makes no sense not trying to where it was actively trying to be bad it was just like having a blast and doing its thing and not stopping to ask any questions mm-hmm. um but i enjoyed myself you know i thought it was very fun and entertaining um i i could ask more questions but I don't think I'm bothered to need to know the answers um (laughs) so I think I'm gonna go ahead and give it like um I don't quite want to give it a four but I also do kind of want to give it a four so I guess I'm gonna give it four knives out of five that just like feels right in my heart for some reason just this movie was so absolutely batshit and I respect that you gotta love the insanity. You really do. I mean, do you want to go next, Sydney? I also give it four out of five knives for literally everything. I fucking love this movie. It is so <laughs> dumb. It is so unhinged. It is so gory. Like, this movie gives me everything that I want <laughs> This movie just absolutely delivers for Sydney Thompson personally. <laughs> like <laughs> it's I it's a work of art. Uh, it's truly it's a work so of art. Good. And I think if they had planned better and given Gizmo like more screen time, it would have been a five out of five. Yeah, that's true. If I could have seen like, Gizmo wielding a sword, ooh. Ooh. Like, all the times that he was just in the backpack, if I could have just seen him more, it would have been an immediate five out of five for me. Like, if they had had him, like, sitting on his shoulder the whole time instead of in the backpack. In the backpack. Like, I just need more full, tiny, adorable little gizmo shots. And that's it. I feel you. Well, it looks like we're all in agreement. I can finally say I was going to give one of my little shitty like 4.1177777 things and that's like my undercover. That's what I actually rate it. But so I can say we're all in agreement. I will give this four knives out of fives. Um, Incredible. I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't say much more than echo what Sydney just said. It was truly 
unhinged surprise um, and they got down with their bad selves and just did whatever the hell they felt like. And it was it was a joy to behold. Um, and it really got me into the Christmas spirit. So <laughs> no, it was not, like the Christmas part of it was the scariest part. So um, that was horrifying. But I love this movie and I'm really, really glad we covered it. And I cannot wait to do Gremlins 2 in many months from now when we have recovered from Gremlins 1. <laughs> Is it also a Christmas movie? Should we wait for next Christmas? Does anybody uh... know? I've never seen it, so I have no idea. I have no okay, idea. We'll have to do a little research, but we promise you it will make its way onto the schedule. No mention of Christmas, but it says the synopsis is the gremlins are back, and this time they've taken control of a New York City media mogul's high-tech skyscraper. Wow. I love it. I love it already. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, <laughs> it sounds Mr. amazing. Butterman and his wife make their return, and they're in the sequel, so don't know what to say about that but i will uh withhold judgment until until we know more there's six years in between maybe he's learned but i don't have high hopes for that (laughs) therapy he's unpacked some of his trauma you know we can only hope we can only hope all right and so next week keeping up with the christmas spirit and also keeping up with my favorite of old school horror movies we are going to be watching the 1974 film black christmas which i don't think either of you two have seen it i don't mm-hmm. even know what it's about oh sorority girls right yes it's like it's a canadian film ooh, so it ooh. is uh like one of the like very early early slasher movies but it's about a group of sorority girls at Christmas time. Dun dun dun! It's so good. You know good. the remake came out last year, and Monica and I talked about seeing it in theaters together, and then we didn't. And then I heard that the remake was not that great anyway. So I'm very excited to see the original. Me too. So there's I did not know it was a remake. Multiple remakes. Like I think there's like two or three remakes of this. I thought we were watching a completely different movie. There is another scary movie where someone like eats somebody, but they're in the shape of a Christmas cookie. And I thought that was the movie that we're watching. And I did. Seems like no. It seems like no. That 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 it's not that. And I'm happy because I was really scared to watch that. We'll find out what that movie was. I don't know what it was, but I'll look into it and I'll get back to you. There's the uh, the one that we're watching, the original 70s one. There was a 2006 version of this starring uh, Katie Cassidy, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and Michelle Trachtenberg. Oh. And then there was a 2019 oh. one, which I haven't seen either of the remakes. Um, I love the original one, so I just, like, won't. But Carrie Elwes? Uh, how do you pronounce However, you say Mr. Princess Bride's name. Yes, Mr. Princess Bride. He's in the 2019 one. Oh. Okay. 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 I'm not crazy. I thought the 2006 one was the original one, and apparently there is some Christmas cookie skin action in 2006. Oh, I was one. like, what is going on, Monica? I desperately needed to know more of what you were talking about, but I didn't want to interrupt too much. Yeah, no, I'm so sorry for if that's a big spoiler for the 2006 one, but we're not watching that one, so. 
It's fine. No, we are definitely not watching Black Xmas. Yeah, absolutely. No, ew. I don't like mm-hmm. that they did Xmas. Big no. no. Big no. I'm excited for the OG. Also, I don't know if I've ever seen a scary movie from the 70s before. Yes, you have. You've seen Halloween. Oh, that came out in the 70s? <laughs> yes. And we've also seen. No, and we've also seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, God, I blocked that out completely. <laughs> that movie is so scary. <laughs> but, okay, yeah. See, Memory Zero, we have already covered this. So, this will be my first time watching a 1970s horror film. <laughs> <laughs> as far as my brain's concerned. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I can't wait to get to it, but that just about wraps us up for this week. Um next week you know we're gonna do some sorority sister madness but for now stay spooky i don't know what i was doing i want to bail immediately (laughs) stay cut all of that out (laughs) delete every bit of what i just said i just felt like somebody had to wrap it up and i was like i'll go but i I didn't want it to be me i'm done put that on a t-shirt <laughs> right. um okay that about wraps up this wild gremlins ride um if you enjoyed what you heard give us a five star rating on apple Podcasts. and again if you didn't don't go on apple Podcasts. Want to give a shout out to the people who have given us reviews so far. There are 13 of you, and some of you we don't even know, and we really appreciate that. I believe there is a woman named May who gave us a review, and we adore you, May. Thank you so much. I hope you still listen. Um, And if you want to follow along with the wild ride that is our social media, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at spooky underscore Tuesday, or if you are like a person who still has Facebook, go to facebook.com slash spooky Tuesday pod. Thanks for listening. Bye spookies. Spooky Tuesday was created by Monica Height, Sydney Thompson, and Chelsea Duff and edited by Sydney Thompson. Our gorgeously spooky tunes are all thanks to Tamara Simons, who you can follow on Instagram at Captain Tamara. And our podcast art is by Mary Murphy, who you can find on Instagram at the underscore moon underscore OMG. I warned you, with Mokwai comes much responsibility. But you didn't listen, and you see what happens. I, I didn't mean it. You do with Mokwai what your society has done with all of nature's gifts. You do not understand. You are not ready.